seriously popular. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. In today's episode... Ivan Tony to Arsenal sounds like a no-go. Should Cole Palmer be a starter in the Euros? And why Rangers really need to pipe down? I'm Ian Ladyman. I'm Chris Sutton. And it's all kicking off. Happy New Year and welcome to the first It's All Kicking Off of 2024. It's not a good year to be an Arsenal fan, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, you've gone a little bit early there. Um, not a good year to be uh, an Arsenal fan. Yeah, I suppose uh, the question is, where are Arsenal heading at this moment in time? What's going to happen in January? Do they need a striker? Of course they do by the uh, by the looks of things. But um, the last three weeks, I suppose, if you're an Arsenal fan, do you really believe that your team can win the title? And I'm not sure they do. Do they need a striker? Now, where have we heard that? Where have we heard that conversation before? Match of the day. Try again. It's all kicking <laughs> off. It's all kicking off. Episodes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Mm. It has been a bit of a theme of our conversation, Arsenal and Ivan Tony. But we're going to get to that in a, in a minute. We're going to talk um, in detail about that to Sammy Mottbell, our chief football reporter, who knows a darn sight more about that situation than either of you or I do, Chris. Um, I'm not going to turn my back on Arsenal on the back of on the back of two defeats. The fact is that had they won yesterday, they would be top of the Premier League. There are there are some issues, but I don't, I don't think that hope is lost. I don't think we should get all knee jerk about Arsenal just because they've had they've had a bad December. Um, I think it's uh, four points out of fifteen or something like that. They've certainly had a bad December, but they're in touch. And they, and they qualified for, for the next stage, the Champions League, top of the group. So let's not pretend it's a disaster. But they are in a bad, they are in a bad run of form. It can't, it can't be, uh, they can't afford f- for that to continue. What I was thinking about yesterday was whether, and this, this does play to the Ivan Tony debate, um, uh, are they going to pay the price for not having uh, match-winning match goal scorer in, in that team? I think we've gone through the the whole of the top six at some stage and, and torn a strip off them and uh, and sort of said, you know, well, this is a particular problem, whether it's at Manchester City, whether it's at Tottenham, whether it's at, at Liverpool. We're now looking at, uh, at Arsenal. Are we just in a in a in a brilliant a one off Premier League season where everybody is capable of of beating one another and this and this shows the strength of the Premier League, or is it, or is it the fact that? I spoke on the pod a couple of weeks ago and talked about I think Arsenal are a bit more pragmatic this season where when Arteta first came in it was uh, a higher risk brand of football where they took chances playing out at the back and that worked. You look at last season um, and, and Arsenal's start to the season, they were I think a lot braver in the way that they played Um and I don't know, I'm not going to say Arsenal have, have lost the bottle because that isn't the case, but I do think that they have become more cautious. Then you try and strip things back and and you look at, you know, the numbers behind things. If you look at, for example, uh, Martinelli, I think he had, um, last season, 15 Premier League goals. This season so far, two Premier League goals. You look at Martin Odegaard, last season, 15 Premier League goals. This season, four Premier League goals. Saka, um, 14 Premier League goals this season, six. So he's not far away from his numbers. 
but uh, but but certainly Arsenal in the final third aren't connecting um, for a reason. Maybe clubs have sort of grown wise to them. And when I say they're they're not connecting, they're they're probably not doing what they did last season. Well, not probably they're not doing what they did last season. Um, and you know maybe it's an individual thing, but uh, you know it looks to be a collective thing. And we talked about Arsenal's defence being particularly strong um, this season and a reason for them, um, you know, uh, having an opportunity of winning the title. It's it's one poor game against Fulham because the truth is they deserve to beat West Ham. They were, you know, I think they played very well, but, you know, David Moyes did what David Moyes is very good at, uh, you know, stifling teams. You know, we've seen him do it against Brighton this season, Tottenham who come onto them, Arsenal came onto them and they got suckered. Uh, by Moyes, that can happen. But the, the Fulham performance was a worry. It's important that they bounce back. But you're quite right, they are not out of the title race. But it's what happens now. Has Arteta made mistakes? So one thing which I have scratched my head about is why Why did he let Kieran Tierney know? I know there's nothing... Uh, <laughs> let Kieran Tierney go, sorry. I know there's nothing that he could have done about uh, about Timber and his injury. But Kirill going in at at left-back, he made the change at half-time yesterday, didn't he? Tommy Yasu uh, coming on was an admission that he got it wrong. But maybe they lacked balance uh, on that side. I know Zinchenko's injured as well. But that looks to be a a bit of a head-scratcher, that decision. During that kind of early couple of years of transition from at at Arsenal, from Unai Emery to, um, to Mikel Arteta, and when things were difficult, Tini was was valuable, invaluable, you could say. But I think, from what I understand, Tini maybe was one of those characters who, once he once he had been usurped in that team, and once Arteta decided that Zinchenko was the way he wanted to go, I don't think Tini was the type of player who was particularly happy to sit around and play the odd game. So I think it, I think it's probably that as much as anything. But it's a good point you raise. And one of the other points that you raise, I just want to rewind back to about the Premier League and whether whether and why it's so open. It, for firstly, it's brilliant that it's so open. So open, you know, it's given us you know a four a four team stroke five team title race, which is terrific. Haven't had that for many years. I think the reason there's not a lack of quality at the top. I think some very good teams, but because City, Manchester City, haven't hit their straps to the level that we may normally expect, that they are in the pack, whereby. If you'd started this season again and said, where do you expect City to be and gone through their fixtures, we'd probably have given them six, seven, eight more points that you would expect them to get. And that would, of course, would have seen them sitting six or seven points clear um, um, approximately. So I think there's something in that. The fact that City have come back to the pack a little bit um, has made it very open. But I think what you and I both know, what we've both touched on before, is that when City do get going, in the second half of the league, uh, second half of the season, which we both think they will, then Arsenal, Liverpool, even Villa, Tottenham might be slightly, well, Villa won't be disappointed, but the other two teams might be disappointed that they haven't got a bit of a head start on them. Now let's get back to the, the, the topic that I really want to talk about, which is goals. You mentioned Saka. So Saka, Bakai Saka's Arsenal's top league score this season so far was six. That's one more than John McGinn has got for Aston Villa midfield player one it's a good more player, than John McGinn though just, he's a good player you know, that, that sounds sort of slightly no he's not a, he's not a forward is he that's what I'm saying mm-hmm. and and he's got um, and uh, it's one more than uh, Diogo Jota who's a kind of you know in and out kind of player for Liverpool who sometimes plays sometimes doesn't um, Haaland has 14 at City Salah has 12 at Liverpool and without wishing to blind you with statistics I was having a look last night at the top scorers for each of the teams that have won the league in the last 10 years at the end of the season, the, the total that they've finished with. Now, obviously, most of those players have been Man City players, a couple of Chelsea players, a Liverpool player. But going backwards through the last 10 years, it goes without naming everyone. It goes 36, 15, 13, 19, 21, 21, 20, 24, 20, 20. So it shows that generally a team that, that does win the league needs someone to get up towards 20 goals. The couple of outliers there, there was a year, 2021, when Man City won the league. Yeah, they won Ilkay, it without a centre-forward. Ilkay Gundogan was their top scorer with only 13. However, if you look at the stats of that season, Raheem Sterling scored 10 and then City had three other players who scored nine each. So between five players, there were 50 goals there. And, and again, that's what Arsenal are not 
doing at the moment. You know, they're not producing those numbers. They're not particularly shy when you look at how many, you know, Liverpool have only scored two or three more, um, for example. But it's the type of thing that as we get into the season, get towards the nitty gritty of the title race, they'll need, they will need goals in big moments, won't they? Yep. Or will uh, they not? Am I, yeah, no, am I overstating no, no, the importance I, I, of this? I, no, I, I actually think, you know, I mean, you, you do love a stat, but I think, you know, you've, you've backed that up. Well, something, something is amiss at Arsenal and, and there will be this clamour now won't that um, from Arsenal fans is we need to act. If we want to win the Premier League, we need to act. They had a, a, an unbelievable opportunity last season. And there's probably Arsenal fans out there now who are thinking, if we didn't win it last season, how on earth are we going to do it uh, this season if we don't add in, uh, in, in January? And then it's who. Who is out there? And there's a lot of talk about Ivan Tony, And I get that. But Ivan Tony, you know, if Arsenal sign him, he he doesn't guarantee Arsenal a Premier League title. Of uh, of course it, uh, you know, of course signing him doesn't. Um, but how how fit and ready to go would he be anyway? When 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 was his last game? And and the thing is, you can't you can't bring a player uh, in, chuck him in who hasn't played for six eight months, whatever it is, and expect him to hit the ground running. You know, this isn't this isn't kids football. It's not under twelve football. This is Premier League football, the strongest league in the world. And he will take time to get up and running. And if I'm Brentford, I wouldn't want to sell him anyway. I mean, they're in a relegation battle. Ivan Tony's due back from his betting ban um, to play again for Brentford um, at the back at the, in, in halfway through this month. I think a game against Nottingham Forest. He's been playing behind closed doors friendlies, which have been arranged. Not the same. Um, or training ground matches, which have been arranged, per, um, especially for him. Not the same, but it won't. But it will certainly be doing everything for his fitness. Um, we're going to speak to Sammy Mockbell now, our chief football reporter. But before we do, I just want to remind you, Chris, that when you won your Premier League um, title, um, Premier League winners' medal with uh, Blackburn in 1995, uh, you and Shearer, Alan Shearer, scored 49 goals between you in the league to win. Alan title. scored 48, and I scored one. <laughs> I'm not going to embarrass you by by telling you telling everyone what the split was. Um, slightly more generous to you than the one that you've just point, pointed out there. Right, let's go to Sammy. Um, uh, Sammy Mockwell, our chief football reporter, um, all over um, the Ivan Tony Arsenal situation as he is as he is indeed all over many other um, transfer deals that may or mo- may or may not take place over the next month. The transfer window is open. It's New Year's Day. Um, Sammy joins us now. So Chris teed it up. Chris teed it up quite nicely there. Let's get straight to it. What What is the situation with Arsenal and Ivan Tony, Or indeed, is there a situation with Arsenal and Ivan Tony? It's it's somewhere in the middle. In You know, it, interested. Arsenal, very, very interested, in fact. But it's expensive. It's expensive in January, partic- particularly when you consider that Arsenal spent close to £200 million in, in, in the summer on obviously Declan Rice, um, Kai Havertz, Timber, and obviously they loaned um, they loaned David Raya, which will then turn into uh, a permanent deal. So when you consider FFP and how much you can spend and all those regulations, it will be a very difficult deal to do, nigh on impossible deal to do in January without outgoings. But I think you know, and Chris has alluded to it, and it, and it's clear to everyone. It is having an out and out striker is a glaring void that they've got in their armory. There, you know, Eddie Nketiah uh, has played were played against Fulham yesterday. You know, I, I I think they need certainly need an upgrade. They've got Gabriel Jesus, who who started most of the games when fit. Uh, he scored his fair share of goals in 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 the Champions League, but. In the Premier League, he's he's he struggled for goals this season, so it's it's an area that they're looking to to strengthen. That is no doubt, and Tony is towards, if not at the top of their of their of their recruitment list for for a striker. But heading into into this month, we have to remember that there 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 are other areas that Mikel Arteta and Edu might look at and say. That is the priority, and by that I mean I think they need a defender 
because they've got so many injuries. They've got, you know, Tommy Asu now is going to go to, it will, will head to the Asia Cup. He's, you know, he's fit. Timber's injured. Zinchenko's injured. They're always one uh, injury away in defence from, from a bit of a crisis. Um, so I think that's an area that they will look to that they will look to strengthen. But Sammy, that's that that's not going to wash with the Arsenal supporters, is it? You know, if 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 Mikel Arteta then uh, you know prioritizes uh, a defender over a striker, everybody knows what Arsenal need to do if they want to win the Premier League this season. So he, he can't be thinking like that, surely. You're absolutely right, Chris, and I, and and I think placating the, the the Arsenal supporters, particularly given the the recent one, the results. You know, it's it's one win in, in in six matches in all competitions. That isn't that isn't Championship winning form, and that isn't the 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 the, the, the form that the Arsenal supporters have come to expect. Obviously, given what happened last season. Um, but doing the problem is with doing a deal for a striker in January is is going to be very very difficult. No one wants to let their best players go in January. That 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 those deals are, are better placed in uh, in in the summer window when there's a bit more of a of a, an open an open landscape with regards to recruitment. But you know, Brentford are going to want at least eighty to one hundred million pounds, I think, for for Ivan Tony. And and given the implications of financial fair play that Arsenal are under, given their their summer spend. It's it's a difficult de- it's a difficult deal to do. So my educated guess here would be that they would look to do potentially a midfielder on loan um, because of parties parties injury problems. Parties on his way back to f- to full fitness, and I think I think once he's back in the team and once he's sharp and and, and firing, I, I I I can see you know I, that, that he will be a major plus for Arsenal. But they definitely they need they need numbers they need a defender, and I think it was a couple of weeks ago that Mik- it was it was after can't remember what game it was but Mikel Arteta was explicit in in one of his post match press conferences where he says we need players they need numbers, um, and but you're right Chris I, I don't I, I don't think that will will go a very long way to placating. Arsenal supporters who, who who look at the situation and, and, and think, like most others, with an out-on-out goal scorer here, they will go close, very, very close to winning the title. I've, if I'm an Arsenal fan, uh, Sammy, listen to this, I think I've probably got my head in my hands. I think my New, my new Year's Day has been ruined already. To hear you say that um, they might need to sell somebody before they can spend that kind of money, to hear you say that they might go for a midfielder on loan, to hear you say that they need a defender... I tell you what, I'd be, um, I wouldn't be tearing up with season ticket, but I think I'd be, uh, I'd be, uh, I'd, be breaking my, I'd be, I'd be breaking my New Year's resolution uh, not to go, not to go to the pub until February. That's for sure. Um, look, let's, we could talk about Arsenal and Ivan Tony all day long, but I think the points you've made there are the key ones, Sammy. It's going to be a very, very difficult, for, difficult deal for them to do for the reasons that you've explained. How much it costs getting around FFP and the need in other areas. And what I do want to do while we've got you is to talk to you about other clubs and other deals that 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 might happen. So I'm going to put two or three to you and let's just see what you let's see what you know. Um lots of talk uh, firstly about uh Conor Gallagher Chelsea to Tottenham. Yeah, I I think that's a deal Ian that's got legs. Uh it's incredible really. Um Gallagher is De facto, the, the 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 captain at <coughs> at Chelsea at the moment. He's playing every week. He's in. I think he's probably you know week in week out. He's in you know the top three players in on 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 the pitch for Chelsea. Yet he is a player who, for the right price, is available in January. You know, I I, I think it's personally, I think it's madness. But it we've seen. Um, pretty, you know, history tells us that under the new regime at Chelsea, they look at they look at homegrown players, they look at academy players in a in a different sort of way. They they look at them as almost as as vehicles round financial fair play regulations. Because if you sell an academy player, uh, someone who's come through the system, it represents pure profit on the balance sheet, which then therefore means 
that you can go out and spend and spend more money uh, on new talent. And, and you know, goodness me, they've already spent close to a billion pounds. So how much more money do they want to spend? But it's clear that that Chelsea need re- reinforcements. The money that they have spent uh, hasn't spent hasn't been spent well. And they're now looking at Gallagher, who has 18 months left in his contract. So, uh, and they're, tr- they're trying to tie him down to a new one. Uh, and those and those talks are on are ongoing. But if there isn't a resolution, I think Chelsea's owners and and, and the guys who are in charge of the football operation there are looking are looking at Gallagher and thinking, well, you know, if we can get towards 50, 60 million quid for for for, for Conor Gallagher now. Um, while his contract is is still up in the air, we should give serious consideration to doing that. That's, that, 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 that's, that. That is remarkable that we are talking about one of Chelsea's best players moving to Tottenham in a January transfer window. When you think of the last twenty over the last twenty years, it it shouldn't work that way round, should it? Really? I mean, Tottenham could could sell their their best player to Chelsea, um, but well, when was the last time something like this happened? Then I, I I I can't I honestly can't think of it. I mean that's it's quite staggering that the thought of the Chelsea captain moving to Tottenham. If you're a Chelsea supporter at this moment in time, if you sell Conor Gallagher to Tottenham, you're thinking, what on earth's going on? And Todd Bowley is still making it up as he goes along. You know, I'm, I'm, there'll be a lot of supporters, and I, and I think we shouldn't just thrust Todd Bowley into this because my understanding is that Todd Bowley's taken a step back. And it's now it's more Badad Igbali who is who is who is fronting up the 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 uh, the ownership side of the operation uh, at Chelsea, but you know they're all they're, you know, they're all in the same boat and 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 it's difficult for Chelsea to, to differentiate from that. You know that all they all they see is what happens on the pitch, and they're struggling on the pitch. Uh, although they have had two back back to back victories, which is kind of raised expectation and, and, and hope heading into 2024 but for them to then lose potentially one of their or if not, you know one of of their best players to one of their most hated rivals in January um I think it would it will cause a lot of dissatisfaction put it that way well, if Todd Bowley is no longer playing sporting director at Chelsea, that's one thing at least that uh, Chelsea fans should be pleased about. Um, you're right, Chris. The thought of um, Chelsea captain going across London to Tottenham is quite an extraordinary one. Sammy seems to think that one. Well, does think does know that one's got legs. Very quickly on these two, uh, uh, Sammy Calvin Phillips still not playing at Manchester City. Talk of him going to Newcastle. Thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. Calvin Phillips has got to has got to leave Manchester City. He should have left Manchester City um, at the start of the season when it became abundantly clear last year that he 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 was way down the pecking order. He's had to suffer the embarrassment this year of of, of chill, kids basically <laughs> playing it playing ahead of him in in in, in centre midfield. Newcastle is is um is a is a potential destination for Phillips. Um, how are they going to afford? How will they afford that? Though they've got FFP issues of their own, haven't they? Potentially alone, and we 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 know that we know that they they need a, the midfielder after you know Sandro Tonyali uh, is banned for betting, and it, you know he's out for uh, an extended period of time. But Juventus, I, I understand, they're also in the running for Phillips, and and and, and would like to take him on a on a on a on a on a loan deal until the end of the season, but. If I'm Phillips, I I stay in the Premier League where the England manager can see me every single week uh, or have the opportunity to see me every single week because I think if Phillips is playing regularly, he will start at um, that Euro 2024 uh, alongside Declan Rice and, and, and Jude Bellingham. And um, if he stays in the Premier League at the very highest level, and it's no disrespect to Serie A at all, but if he can, you know, if he can prove himself back in the Premier League, then yeah, I think he walks into that team. I I, I agree with you. I think I think Chris could do a job in central midfield in Serie A right now, and he's sixty two. Um, and finally, um, finally, no need for you to say anything. The the Chris, I can see you trying to interject. No, but no, no that's got that subject's closed. Um, the final one. Um, uh, Sammy, Aaron Ramsdale, uh, Chris and I have talked loads on this podcast over the season about the Ramsdale rare situation. Um, we were right, essentially, when we thought that uh, talk of Mikel Arteta rotating the two at Arsenal was... You were was right, hosp- not me. 
was hot air. It's proved to be Ramsdale can't get a game apart from in the cup competitions. What does he do in January? Is there a market for him? Would Arsenal let him go? Mm, I, 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 Arsenal are very reluctant to let him go, understandably, uh, because you know if anything was to happen to David Raya, then they would be um, they would be in major trouble. Sammy, um, um, look, it's been great to great to have you on. Before before you go, mate. Um, um, at the back end of the summer window, the Saudi Arabian Pro League was kind of all over the Premier League in terms of trying to bring their their players in, um, players in from here to there. Um, very quickly, um, is the Mo Salah thing dead from that point of view? Because obviously they made a big play for, for Mo at the end of the window. And also in one line, do you think we might see anybody coming home from Saudi? There's a few rumours around, aren't there, that some of the players who went out there, uh, mentioned no names at the moment, aren't particularly happy with what with what they've found Um you can't uh, mention no names. Well, we can't, we can't in you, the desert. You, no, you can't. Well, we can say watch this space. Anyway, Sam, it's you I'm talking to. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> to answer your first question, uh, Arian, um, Mo Salah, uh, Liverpool are, are going for the title. So I think I think there would be a 0.01% chance of, of them even considering... That high. ...letting Mo, Mo Salah go in January... I think at the end of the season, um, that would that deal would have a better a better chance of happening. I think that I I think long term there is a synergy with uh, Mo Salah going to going to play in in in, in Saudi Arabia. You know he, he he's already the pinup boy of, of of Middle Eastern football. So to go so to go to Saudi where his his iconic status is in pro and profile. Back back in the region he was brought up would would only sort of soar tenfold, and so I can see that deal. It's got so many. I can see that deal happening eventually. It ticks so many boxes. To answer your second question, Ian, um, there there are a lot of rumours with regards to players who are who have gone to Saudi Arabia uh, only to discover that uh, life and football isn't what it what it has been in Europe um, for obviously a various, <laughs> various different reasons. Uh, I think... Robert, like, and, it, and it's hot and it's really hot. <laughs> uh, you know, Roberto Firmino, I think, has is, is been the first one to break ranks, hasn't he, recently, to say he wouldn't mind a return to, to, to uh, maybe, you know, to Europe or, or just necessarily just to leave Saudi. Um, the one that would be interesting, I think, for me, heading into the European Championships is... Is Jordan Henderson? Um, you know, Jordan Henderson wants to be part of of, of that Euro squad. Um, if you know, and I'm not saying he that he he wants out, but I, I, if there was an opportunity for for Jordan Henderson to to come back to the Premier League to prove to Gareth Southgate that he has still got it at the age of 33, going on 34. Um, I suspect that that would be uh, an opportunity for Henderson that would be too, not too good to turn down, but it will be difficult um, for him to turn his back on. Should have thought of that. There you go. You, you, you heard it here first. Um, Jordan Henderson, back to the Premier League. Who knows? Let's at least th- put a I big thought, question I thought, mark. I, let, I, thought let, he went let, out there. I, th- let, I thought he went out there for the culture and, uh, let, and trying something just, new. Jordan Henderson back to the money, let's was it? just let's just put that big question mark out there. Let it hang in the air for a while. Although who's going to be able to afford to buy him out of that contract? God only knows. But anyway, look, Sammy, brilliant to speak to you as always, mate. You've brought a kind of level of insight and in, uh, insight, knowledge, and information that um, has hitherto been absent from six months of this podcast. So thank you, mate. <laughs> um, and we'll have you on again very soon. I'm sure. Enjoy the rest of your New Year's Day. That was Sammy Mottbell, our chief football reporter. Sammy will be bringing you all of his insight and exclusive information throughout the transfer window. Um, So make sure you don't miss any of that and all the rest of your football news. Um, It'll all be there. Was there no news on on you being transferred out somewhere to to some island, the back of beyond? When I'm I'm doing a plug for our website, Chris, or any of our um, outlets or digital... (laughs) platforms you, please please don't interrupt i was just I was just saying i was just 
I was just doing my best sales pitch there to say that all of Sammy's information will be found across our digital platforms. Mail Online is a great place to go for all of that. Um, equally, Sammy's um, Twitter feed. Also, keep an eye on our other um, outstanding transfer expert, Simon Jones. He'll be bringing us similar levels of insight throughout uh, uh, January. Hold that thought. We'll be back right after this. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. So, Chris, um, Sammy touched on touched on the on, on the Euros briefer there. Touched on England um, and what might happen in the summer when Gareth Southgate takes his team to Germany for the European Championships. England heavily favoured to do heavily favoured to do very well there. Now, I, I mentioned that because I want to talk about Cole Palmer again. I know we've done it before, um, but I, I have to say, having watched that um, performance of Palmer's for Chelsea at Luton at the weekend. I was blown away again. I I just cannot remember the last time I was this excited about an English footballer. I do get Jude a Bellingham. little bit like that. Did you not get I excited do, about Jude Bellingham? No. Hollywood Jude. Uh, Hollywood, Hollywood Jude. Yeah. I do I do get like this occasionally. And and occasionally my um Tell judgment is is way off. It's just, my judgment can be way off. I remember getting really excited a few years ago about Hamza Chowdhury playing for uh, Leicester in right. the Premier League. I was and I really got obsessed with him. Went to interview him. Lovely lad, by the way. Really got obsessed with him. And um, anyway, ended up playing in the Championship for Watford. Um, he's back at Le- he's back at Leicester well, now. Hamza, Watford are okay with respect. Yeah, to I know. Watford but fans, what yeah. I'm saying is that Hamza didn't yeah. quite take that kind of upward trajectory that I thought he was going to. But Cole Palmer has already. Uh, I mean. Look, that performance at Luton, the, the goal, the goals that he scored, there was a pass with the outside of his left foot over over 40, 40 yards, which I thought was just absolutely out of this world. I thought the Paqueta pass for West Ham to uh, Jared Bowen for the goal against Manchester United recently was the pass of the season, but that one was even better. Um, do I need to stop? Do I need to do I need to calm down? Or have we got something? uniquely special on our hands here. Do, do you know what? I don't think you are getting carried away. I think you, you brought him up earlier on in the season um, and I thought, has he gone a little bit early? Has he been premature once again? That's what he's known for. Um, but do you know what? You, you, you're bang on. I think we should be getting excited uh, about Cole Palmer. And also, you know, you think of the situation he's in at Chelsea uh, and, and Chelsea have been in... Is disarray the right, uh, the right word? Um, but things haven't been right this season. He's carried Chelsea in many respects. And for such a young player uh, to do that, he, he is the one Chelsea player, uh, when I've seen them this season, who is playing with absolute freedom. And i got to say, if you're a Manchester City supporter, you're thinking Pep was nuts to let him go. With, 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 with the talent which he has... And, and and Pep rarely gets egg on his face, but this one he looks like he's got it wrong. You know, he he really does. Palmer has been phenomenal in a struggling Chelsea team. Martin Kern, our own Martin Kern, was on Match Today on Saturday night, and he described Palmer as a unique talent. And I don't necessarily dis- disagree with that. I, I, this is a one of those things that people say in the pub, but I'm going to say it. I'm not going to back it up with anything other than to say that. Palmer to me looks like he should be in that England team in the summer. I don't know how he gets in. I don't know who comes out to get him in, but he just look he just to me, he looks like one of those players who you think if you look at him think he's got to play, got to find a home for him somewhere. 
I don't want to have a big debate about it now because I can't back it up. Because, like I say, I don't know who comes out of the team. I don't know where he plays. Oh, but, I well, just want you to know, see Gareth, him Gareth, Gareth has never been a manager, as far as I can see, who plays players or puts players in who are absolutely on fire. Uh, who, who you know, he's he's a stickler for tried and tested, isn't he? And that's where your you know your point stands. But talking about Guardiola and um, and having egg on his face, well, okay. But what I will say is that Palmer's a, a product of that City youth system. Um, everything that Manchester City do at all levels is um, is uh, influenced and driven by Pep Guardiola. So to see people like Cole Palmer and Phil Foden and even people like uh, Jack Grealish, uh, John Stones, Kyle Walker, playing to the levels that they do, when Pep eventually leaves this country um, to go and continue his career somewhere else, his influence, the impact of what he did here will be felt by English football for years to come with some of these players. We won't fully appreciate appreciate Guardiola and what he's given, not just to Manchester City, but to all of us until he's gone. We criticise him at times for things he says, really? things he does. You know, he's now he picked up his fourth booking on, on Saturday. You begin to wonder, you begin to wonder whether um, having a, a, a game in the stands is, is big enough punishment if managers are going to come back down and just start and carry on. But that's only to illustrate the fact that we do criticise Pep sometimes, but his influence on on our game is absolutely extraordinary. <laughs> I want to actually turn now and talk a little bit about managers and play a little bit of five-a-side with you. It's a, new, um, mm-hmm. it's a new part of the show that we're going to do from time to time. This is its debut on New Year's Day. So what I want from Ooh. you to... Did you I see my Chelsea debut? Now, what I want from you are your top five managers of the season so far across the pyramid. So it can Ooh. be uh, it can be anywhere in the English game, in the Scottish game, um, and let's go in ascending order. So from what, fifth what, what about up in, to in first. world football? Is it no, anywhere in the world? Is there football outside of these shores? Not sure that if there is, I'm not sure you know that much about it. So let's let's stick to let's stick to the UK and let's go from let's go from five. Up to first. Okay, well, uh, at number five, I'd say Nigel Clough, uh, the Mansfield manager. They're just behind Moneybag Stockport uh, in League Two, but he's actually carved out a decent managerial career for himself. They're flying this season. Of course, his dad was Brian Clough, one of the all-time greats, but well done to Nigel Clough in four... I John think Mansfield Masi- have lost only Mansfield have only lost one game in the league so far this season. I think. Yeah, that's why that's why I had him in my top five. I, yeah, I didn't okay. want him any higher. In four, uh, John Massino from Portsmouth. Portsmouth are a club with huge fan base, great expectations. He took over a tricky situation. They are top of League One. I'm pleased for him. Decent guy, and uh, and hopefully Portsmouth can get promotion. Uh, number three, Kieran McKenna. I'm a big Norwich okay. City fan, but there's a begrudging admiration for the job that he's done, promoted last season from League One. They've been flying uh, Ipswich this season. Really surprised me in an automatic spot. I still think they've got work to do, but they may be lucky to hang on to him, Kieran McKenna, because I think there's going to be bigger clubs than Ipswich who are looking at him and thinking, we want a piece of him. And it's, it's fair to say that nobody saw that coming when he left um, Manchester United as part of... Uh, the uh, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer coaching team. I must admit, could be nobody back thought there one day could be. Back no, there one nobody day, thought that Kieran was going to go and do what he did. So you're absolutely right to to highlight him. Although I think you are going to have to move house now that you've picked. Um, now you've picked an Ipswich manager. But <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So good. Good call. Uh, number two. So, so so in it to Unai Emery. Thirty nine points. Forty two points. Uh, what a job! What a job he has done at Aston Villa. My former club, they are absolutely flying. They are in a title race. I think they have surprised many people. And good for him after the nonsense he had to put up with at Arsenal. So, Unai Emery in at number two. And this may be a huge surprise. My number one, Ange Postecoglou. The brand of football he has brought to the Premier League. Something different. People want him to fall flat on his face now because he's been off to a fly. They've got half a team. And they're a point behind Arsenal. Just imagine when he gets all his players back fit. Uh, but just the brand of football. You think what he took over, they were turgid. Turgid Tottenham. And now they are very watchable. And they sold the best player in the summer. Now, you were uh, spent your weekend in Glasgow, Chris. Uh, Celtic Rangers 
there's a bit of controversy going on up there, isn't there, in the wake of that one? Uh, well, as is the case, um, you know, when Celtic play Rangers, there's there's always fallout, isn't there? Um, Celtic ended up winning the game um, 2-1, Probably just about deserved it, but uh, but anyway, there's a big contentious issue in that Rangers were not awarded a penalty in the uh, in the first half. Celtic were one 0 up, uh, and uh, and the Celtic player uh, Alistair Johnson handled the ball inside his box. He was un- under pressure from uh, from Seema, the Rangers winger, but. Um, but there was a previous offside where Seema was offside when the ball was played over the top. Uh, Rangers uh, are complaining to the SFA. They want the VAR audio um, from uh, is Willie Collum, who was on VAR, Nick Walsh refereeing, and they want that uh, that audio of the conversation, uh, and they want that to be made public and and uh, and out to them so they can understand the decision making process. I don't know where Rangers are going with this because whichever way you, you you want to look at this whether it was handball in that moment I thought it was handball but it didn't matter anyway because the offside superseded that if that makes any sense so it, it, it you know it didn't matter it was irrelevant now are Rangers going about this and and uh, you know with their statement I think they've had two statements out they use they've used words like they are they are astonished they are concerned they are perplexed uh, by all this, but are they doing this for the for the betterment of Scottish football? Uh, you know, wanting this uh, VAR audio out, um, you know, and questioning the SFA. I don't, I don't understand what their motive uh, actually is. The, the the whole point is, is however, however the decision not to award a, a penalty came about, it was the correct decision. They can they cannot argue with that because the you know because of the previous offside and but the way they've actually gone about this I'm you know I'm surprised myself there may be other clubs out there who are similarly uh, astonished similarly concerned um, about the non award of, of penalties against Rangers over the last couple of seasons I think it's seventy two games. 72, 73 games, two years since there's been a penalty awarded uh, against Rangers. That's astonishing. 2022, January the 18th, Aberdeen were awarded um, a penalty. Uh, I think Lewis Ferguson won and scored a penalty at Ibrox. So there are there are other clubs, there are supporters in Scotland who were saying, well, you know, if, if we're going to go down that route, let's, you know, let's scrutinise the whole thing. And, I, you know, that... Whatever way you look at it, that's an astonishing stat, and 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 Rangers are, Rangers are getting themselves into an argument they don't need to get into. I don't know what you know what they're doing. Maybe it's a deflection tactic. The bigger point here is, do not blame Willie Collum for uh, for your deficiencies, Rangers. Fact of the matter is, had they had a centre forward who could put his boots on the right feet. They may have uh, actually ended up winning the game. Had other players. Todd Campwell hasn't turned up for uh, for a meaningful Celtic Rangers game since he's been at the club. So you know, if if you're looking at someone to blame, Rangers, blame your own players. Do not blame Willie Collum because you know essentially they came to the right decision. However, they did it. Willie Collum being the VAR ref. Yes. Is that right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Well. A couple of things there. First of all, that, that stat about Rangers um, not being a, a penalty against Rangers for all those years is a remarkable stat. But let's not get away from the, the issue at point here. And and to me, I have to say, mate, that I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think people like yourself are slightly complicit in this. And I'll tell you why. Because you and I, when we talk about referees and you, we talk about transparency, for example, you are very much in the camp of pundits who think that referees should explain their decisions. You think they should be on the television talking about why they made decisions. You're all for the kind of Howard Webb um, uh, TV appearance thing, explaining VAR calls. I, on my side of the fence, have said before that that is the thin end of the wedge. And once you ask officials or insist on officials explaining their decisions, this is where you get to. My view is very simple. Referees, good, bad, indifferent, 
Referee's decision is final. It's a very, very simple concept that I grew up with. I would imagine that you grew up with. I would imagine it's something that your dad said to you, because it was certainly something that my dad said to me. Referee's decision is final, whether you agree with it or not. And we're now in a world where we've got football clubs calling, as Rangers are, for explanations. The statement from Rangers, I won't read all of it, it says... Despite repeated requests, the SFA has so far failed to disclose the VAR audio to allow the club to understand the process around the non-award of a penalty. You know what that is? That is entitled. It's entitled nonsense, Chris, and it's and it's not Rangers' fault. Arsenal have been at it this season. Liverpool have been at it this season. This is what happens. When you give people in football the slightest opening of a door in terms of a change in the way that things happen, they kick that door down and they come running right the way through it. And we're now in a situation where football clubs think they're entitled to hear explanations from the match officials for their decisions. And that is a bad place for our game to be. Yes, but... I agree with everything you say a hundred percent. But you, but mate, you've sat, you've sat with me before. It's it's the motivation. What is Rangers' motivation uh, for this VAR audio? Because just just understand my point: the penalty should not have been awarded because there was a previous offside. So that whole that whole uh, action is irrelevant. Irrelevant about the VAR audio. Okay, because there, because there was a previous offside. So so, what is the point in asking for something which is totally irrelevant? But, anyway, but, I I don't get that, and they they aren't doing it. Believe me, they aren't doing it for the betterment of Scottish football. Well, they are not doing not. it because of that. No, no, exactly. So that's the whole. So what? So why are they doing it? What but is it? What is the motivation? It's a deflection tactic. Okay, it is. if it's a deflection, they're tactic, not fooling anybody. If it's a deflection tactic then every football club, every manager in the world has done it. Every manager in the world has stood in front of a TV camera after a game and talked about something other than the matter at hand, which is that his or her team wasn't good enough. We're just aware of that. Out, just what come I'm out and saying, just say, but do, do, it, do, do it in order. Come out and say, Chris, well, do you know what? Chris, Our centre-forward's hopeless. Chris, and other players didn't step up. And, and, and Willie Collum on the face of things, that's, you know, that's a we, minor part. Chris, we've given our football clubs in the UK the green light to pull this type of stunt and that's our fault we've opened the door and they've kicked it down and now they're running through it and this will now become the, the norm this this type of um this of, of, of self-serving rubbish will continue to follow us around the rest of the season and beyond and it's our fault right out, out of that and into this moments moments of the weekend you first uh, well, my my moment of the weekend. Um, I know you're not a sort of big follower of Scottish football, but I don't know whether you've seen this goal on socials. Uh, obviously, not Ali Adams. I've seen it. The the Arbroath substitute goalkeeper. Yeah, came on as a centre forward against table topping Wraith Rovers and scored a thirty five yard screamer off the underside of the bar and in. That's remarkable. That's my moment of the weekend. But he has actually, he has actually bettered that goal. In 2020, he scored a 55-yard free kick um, in an East of Scotland uh, league game, which, I mean, that is, that's Is that one available on socials as well? Is that one available on the socials? That isn't, but 55 yards, I mean, did he mean it? Who cares? But that's, that's, that's pretty special, isn't it? The one he scored at the uh, at the weekend was an absolute thunderbuster, if there is uh, such a word. Absolutely extraordinary. You really need to go and look for that. Superb, uh, superb, superb goal. Mine, my moment of the weekend is also involving a goalkeeper, actually. Um, um, Matt Turner, the uh, Nottingham Forest goalkeeper. Um, anyone who watched the game against Manchester United will have seen the mistake that he made in um, passing the ball straight to, I think it was Garnacho in the run-up to Manchester United's equaliser. A real a real howler, the type of which we see these days from goalkeepers who feel compelled um, to be trying to be Franz Beckenbauer as well as trying to be Gordon Banks at the same time. Um, it was a howler. It looked, like it, had, it looked like it had thrown away two points for Forrest. 
didn't turn out to be the case. Forrest scored another goal to win the game and Turner produced two or three really, really good saves towards the end of that game to make sure that Forrest took the three points against United. And it, it pleased me because the life of a goalkeeper these days is so... It's, it's harder probably than it's ever been. Um, they're not. under pressure to play the ball from the back all the time. Um, every mistake they make is, is shown live on television. The balls that, that we use these days swerve all over the place like a ping pong ball with backspin on it. Um, I think it's tough to be a goalkeeper. And when we see one like that have a, you know, uh, a redemptive moment. It pleases me. And I thought the match today commentary, uh, I must apologise, I'm not sure whether it was Steve Wilson or Guy Mowbray, but his line was, um, when he talks about Turner, he said, after putting a foot wrong, he hasn't put a foot wrong. Uh, hasn't subsequently put a foot wrong. I thought it was a really good line. He didn't stumble over it like I just have, and I was reading it off a bit of paper. Um, that's why I never went into television or indeed radio. Um, right, that's yet. it. Look, that's it. That's our end of our New Year's Day um, programme. Hope you've enjoyed it. Lots more football to come um, as we move into the new year. FA Cup um, is on the horizon. Some, some good games to look forward to. Um, Chris and I will be here um, again on Thursday for our It's All Kicking Off uh, preview show lots of FA Cup action to look forward to in that show in the meantime please remember to hit the subscribe button go to Men Online for all your breaking transfer news there'll be lots of that to come over the next three or four uh, weeks so make sure that that's your go-to platform for all of that whoever you support all that's left for me to say now is to make sure you're back here next Monday for the next edition of this show I'm Ian Laderman the chap wondering whether it's time to take his Christmas tree down yet is Chris Sutton and this has been It's All Kicking Off hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.